Welcome into the Friday, January 27, 2023 installment of Market Plus. Joining us now, Sean Hackett. It's a good thing we put in the teleprompter the year, because I'd be one of those I'm stuck on what year it is. Uh, First, before we get into Sean, I wanted to say thank you to all of those that are watching Market Plus, but those that have contributed questions on Facebook and on Twitter, we have a whole bunch of them. They were really, really good, and they were from all over, Sean, because you have been all over. Uh, I didn't get a chance. I wanted to spend a little more time in livestock. Let's go back to cotton for a minute. Uh, There's been discussion here this year about buying acres for cotton. Is that what's going on? You think there's something else in cotton. Sorry, I'm gonna steal your answer. Well, the tourist industry there, two million people, Chinese flu in the last month, down from 45. We know those are your wealthiest Chinese who go out and spend money on clothing to a large degree. We're already seeing those numbers going up. The, the price of cotton in China hit a V bottom and has gone straight back up. That would, you know, cotton, Things like lumber that's already turned up tend to be your leading edge markets that get ahead of the curve on any kind of an economic rebound. And so I really feel that where we are in the cycle, the cotton market is positioned for you know an early first mover advantage on a China reopening from this, this significant increase in tourism and travel that's going to be taking place. And where we are priced or have been priced, we are not going to get acres planted. Um, and I think the market's going to be uncomfortable because we just haven't been able to produce a good cor- a cotton crop lately. Mm-hmm. And in case it happens again, we better get some extra buffer stock in Texas, especially to make sure we have enough. That's if it's not if they get rain and it's not too dry. That's right. Uh, so that's the weather story was what we had in the main discussion. We'll get into that in a moment. But this is a question, Sean. Uh, I had texted to me a couple times this week, uh, and we're going to start with Jason in Tripola, Iowa. Uh, And it's kind of funny. I told Jason it's the same type of question I had from someone in his neck of the woods. He says, new crop corn and beans are roughly a dollar a bushel lower than current old crop prices. He says, most analysts are suggesting 20 to 30 percent new crop sales, which I can agree with. He says, how or what strategy makes up for that one dollar deficit in basically a range-bound market? Yes, I want to sell, but I'm going to lose money. What do I do? Well, you only sell, you know, if you really need to or if you really feel that the price fundamentals picture is going to head much lower. If our weather forecast is remotely correct that we're moving in back into a drought cycle in the back half of spring into summer, I would think that those new crop prices, which are most sensitive to the weather and to the new crop development, are going to you know, put some weather premium on. It's not unusual for the market to do it on any circumstance. The strategy would be if you're somebody that's sitting there with 20 or 30% sales on cash, what do you do about it? I think you look for an opportunity, like we said in the beginning of the last show, to for a low, for some a low point here in early spring on an early start to the spring, bearish is coming in. You look for a good low point to maybe do some counter hedging against those sales so you can make some money, put some money back on those cash sales and make it better based upon your cost of production. That's the way we're looking at it, and that's where we're looking for the opportunity for our customers. But, I mean, there's some who don't feel comfortable doing something like that or don't, haven't had good success doing it. So, but as I told someone back on text, I said, yeah, but what if this drops even below what we have today? How do you try to talk somebody in, through that right now? Cost of production has never been a good short-term tool for prices. Never. 
I've always seen this idea that cost production, it can't go any lower, I'm not gonna sell, and then it goes lower, and it goes lower. I mean, cost production is a good long-term measure, but just because it's below your cost of production does not mean that it can't go substantially lower. That is not a reason not to sell. Now, because um, selling at a loss is today is better than selling at a huge loss six months from now if it looks like the price is going down. I never would expect anyone not to have any cash sales made at this point, but be careful. You can say that with a smile all you want, but it's really hard medicine to take right now uh, to say. But yes, that might be the cold, hard reality if things slip. All right, let's get back to these questions. Uh, we're going to go to... Uh, we're going to go to Dan in Oregon. Corner wheat, Sean, which one has the highest price potential for 2023? Based upon our weather look of a potential reemergence of drought and possibly some kind of a historic Gleisberg cycle drought, the corn market would clearly be the market that would be most impacted. Oftentimes, we can get tail-end rains. Even in, a, in, a, in, a, even in 2012, we got some tail-end rains that helped the soybean crop out a little bit. Um, obviously, winter wheat's not going to be impacted by a summer drought. Spring wheat in the northern plains, probably not. I'm thinking the corn market, based upon the weather, would probably have the best potential. Um, but then we have to obviously keep an eye on that renewable diesel craze later in the year to see what that might look like. But I would say for now, corn over soybeans. Okay. Corn over beans and uh, corn over wheat, too? Corn over, corn over wheat because I don't believe, based upon the weather, that we're looking at a spring wheat problem. We're looking more at a corn problem okay. at this point. All right, uh, Tony in Nevada, uh, he is asking, uh, if dollar weakness continues, do you buy corn now or wait until spring? You never, ever, ever buy any market just because the dollar is going up or down. That is a variable, a very important variable. Um, for overall inflation or deflation for the entire commodity complex, but I would say you buy corn because you think that the fundamental picture is going to improve. You think that the weather is going to deteriorate. You know, it's, it's the fundamental picture that you go with, and the dollar either accelerates that trend or it detracts from that trend. But I've seen many, many farmers make mistakes making decisions on currency and getting bitten by it. Well, frankly, the, the dollar the last couple of weeks has been, you talked about no price movement. I think it was four ticks today, and I think yeah. it was 12 last week. So we really calmed down and, and not going a, higher. It's But here's a great example. We've had a big knockdown in the, in the dollar, right? U.S. dollar was 113. It went down to 101 over the last, what, 30 or 45 days. And you look at the price of grains, they really haven't done a lot. So if, you're, if you bought, you know, 30 days ago because of a weaker dollar, you know, it hasn't worked out. because. Weather and other factors, you know, can our part and play it in one time. Well, could you argue that it's maybe a little inflation playing out, deflating of things too with the commodities uh, in your scenario? Well, if you think about it, if we had a weaker have a weaker dollar and the prices haven't moved, what would have happened had the U.S. currency stayed strong, they probably would be lower now. So it's kind of a bearish factor, okay. right? Because it should have made prices go up under normal circumstances, meaning that, you know, that we're in a, still in a tough environment for commodities and when the dollar doesn't really propel prices. The Goldman Sachs Commodity Index has not moved up much, even though we've had a big break in the dollar. That's some, as a warning sign that we're not quite uh, you know, at the green light yet. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're going to test your quiz on if you can guess what this next question is. <laughs> Paul in Saskatchewan, Sean wants to know, where's 4600 headed, or that's urea? Uh, should we buy now for top dress in June or wait? Well, natural gas has crashed and burned. We're now under $3, and obviously nitrogen-based fertilizers tend to follow natural gas to some extent. 
at this level, we're now well below coal in terms of the natural gas energy price. When we look at the world, we think this is a major low here in the natural gas price. And so obviously there's a stickiness to a fertilizer. You know, it doesn't come down. It could take some time. We know this, but we're starting to see prices really cave in. We think that can continue into the spring. And I think that the natural gas price is on borrowed time to stay this low. So I think there's a very good window of opportunity to finally get a chance to lock in some fertilizer again this spring. All right, how about fuel? Because we have a question about fuel. This comes from Mike in Nebraska. What's your fuel recommendation? He's thinking specifically about his irrigation needs. Well, when we look at, you know, diesel uh, prices, you know, they've come down a lot. And we look at the whole situation of how did we get here on energy and energy derivatives. We got here because we dumped Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We got here because of slowing economy. We got here because the Federal Reserve drove speculators out of the energy market. But when we look at all those trends, SPR is going to stop. Our inventories are crashing downward. And who's going to be buying a lot of energy here in the back half of 23? It's going to be China coming back to the market, who was absent from the market in the last six months. It's a really good window of opportunity to lock in some longer term, you know, cash needs on energy. You know, but a, it, it, you know, you get those windows after a lot of excitement. And I think the energy complex between now and the spring is giving everyone that chance to do something smart. Back to the piece that Peter did in the show with the, from the, the gentleman from Nebraska talking about, I'd be locking in some things. All right, we're gonna go to the last question that we have here, Sean, and it's Kevin. And he asked us via Facebook, thanks, Kevin, for this question. If the USA has a 180 bushel corn yield in 23, can corn hit 4450 this fall? Well, I mean, I'll answer the question this way. We look how much cotton prices fell. We looked how much oats prices fell from a, a pretty high price. Prices can fall considerably if you have a big crop and you put ending stocks back and the shortages leave the market and the buyer says, I don't need to worry about it anymore. Can we see a subfinal market? Well, I mean, new crop corn is already, what, 580? I forget where it closed today. You're talking about something like a dollar down from here, you know, that wouldn't be that much of a stretch if we had big acres and a 180 yield. I mean, I think certainly that would be on the table unless there was some extraordinary circumstance that counteracted that. Hmm. And 587, good, good memory there. Uh, <laughs> but the, but it, it gets back to what you've been talking about, the weather pattern not changing, and we stay dry, or we, 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 we start early, get dry early. We've also proven the last couple of years we still grow a crop even if moisture doesn't always line up. Timing is everything. So, you know, throughout the last five to ten years, we've had some of the best yields late planted corn versus early because of the sequence of events that took place. I think what's most important is the sequence. If we get the dry weather to reemerge in the back half of April into the summer after a pretty good moisture in the spring, that's actually a not a good recipe for big corn yields, and that's what we'll be looking out for. And our timing is done. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Paul. Always Appreciate a pleasure. It. That's Sean Hackett, everybody. Next week, we are going to talk to one producer about how life and work has changed since he has returned to the family farm and market analysis with Sean O'Leary. Thank you for joining us and have a great week.